perfectly fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. must rise up together against the capitalist death cult. Again, what other choice do we have? We risk losing everything. I feel as a citizen of the United States, I'm in my late 40s now, uh, that electoral politics has effectively been broken my entire lifetime. It's been serving the ultra-rich and their corporations. It's been transferring record amounts of wealth away from the working class and to the rich. It's been literally killing the working class. Uh, And we see the same thing now with global heating and the fossil fuel and animal agriculture industries. You see the evidence of this corruption of the profit motive uh, all around us. you know, uh, this Mountain Valley pipeline, uh, Biden uh, recently begged the, the Supreme Court to overturn a stay that was preventing construction. So now construction can proceed. We all know that President Biden has been, uh, at least in his first two years in office, approving drilling permits at an even faster rate than Trump did. We need to end fossil fuels as quickly as possible. This is the basic physics. It's brutal. It doesn't care about our politics. And the longer we have a fossil fuel industry, the more irreversible damage we do. Uh, It's as simple as that. And now in 2023, this summer, uh, it seems that we have passed into a ferocious new phase of global heating. Uh, We need to find our way into climate emergency mode somehow, and we need to do it now. And we've been trying to do that with this ragtag grassroots movement uh, without barely any funding uh, while um, state and federal governments and governments around the world have been uh, increasing punitive laws to punish climate activists. So it's how do we expect this courageous group, tiny group of climate activists to stand up against the most powerful industry that we've ever seen that's supported by these huge militaries and governments uh, and media outlets who are not connecting the dots, who are not telling uh, the public the way the fossil fuel industry has very intentionally lied and blocked action. We need action from the White House. We need help from the federal government. Uh, There's so much that a president can do if they chose to do so. Uh, Using executive orders and federal agency rules Without even needing to involve this absolute failure of a Congress, uh, a president could end new drilling leases on federal lands and waters, could block new pipelines, could effectively ban fracking, could unleash, I think this is really key, a historic education program to counter fossil fuel industry disinformation. Actually use the bully pulpit to build awareness and support uh, for this movement instead of actively trying to suppress this movement um, in the service of fossil fuel industry CEOs. A president could prohibit government financing of overseas fossil fuel infrastructure, uh, could ban new fossil fuel vehicle sales by 2030 or earlier, uh, prosecute violations by fossil fuel polluters, and really importantly, 
uh, commit to vetoing any laws which would grant immunity to such criminals. Uh, that's, even, that's just through executive orders without declaring a climate emergency. But climate emergency declaration would unleash additional powers such as banning all oil, gas, coal exports, uh, banning even private overseas fossil fuel investment, further accelerating renewable energy buildout on scales we haven't seen since the mobilization for the Second World War. And declaring climate emergency would send symbolically an unmistakable signal to global markets and the nations of the world, to investors who are still living in the past, to universities that have been shamefully slow to divest, to media outlets that have failed to connect the dots, and to all of the dangerously lagging institutions of our society. It would be a desperately needed win for climate activists as well, who I can tell you are feeling exhausted, feeling discouraged, who need reinforcements and who need some victories. I am obviously deeply concerned by the possibility of another Trump presidency, uh, as anyone who opposes fascism should be. But I'm also frankly deeply concerned about another Biden presidency. Uh, I feel that Biden had the last, pretty clearly had the last opportunity of any president to keep the world under 1.5 degrees of global heating. Tragically, he chose to squander that opportunity. Uh, we may need to figure out how to support general strikes through mutual aid. So I believe the grassroots climate slash labor movement is the only way forward and it must become more powerful than the fossil fuel industry. Uh, we need all hands on deck. We need all sorts of tactics, including civil disobedience, climate, nonviolent climate disobedience. I do believe that so far, climate activists in general have been far too polite. To conclude, the planet is crying out for visionary leadership. Um, I think we all have started to share a vision for a better future, a future with a lot more community, um, a future where our economic systems, the way we organize ourselves as a species, shift away from this madness of profit just for the few and toward a goal of flourishing for all. Um, I want to see a humanity um, that has gratitude for this amazing planet that we live on, has empathy for other humans, has empathy for other species, and learns to live without all this consumerism um, and without this need to hoard and hoard as uh, some sort of way to deal with the fear of death. Um, and I want to see this shift towards that sort of new kind of society before I die. So, yes, uh, empowerment, hopefully. Um, I, we've got a list of priorities. <laughs> and the first thing is I want to share what I think is the most effective tactic and what I think everybody should be doing and supporting right now. Sitting around and doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That was a, the very first, because it's all going to burn. It's and all, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Bezos and Musk I, and the rest of them are going to take us down. I, I can't even joke about it. I really hate that mindset. So what I think, and then especially like given the stakes, you know, it is quite bad, the situation we're in, right? My number one priority that I think everybody should be doing, and if not doing, supporting, 
which I'll get more into that. It is civil disobedience, also known as direct action, disruptive action. So yeah, because it's it's kind of has two different effects. Uh, you know, th- certain some people criticize certain types of civil disobedience actions, but I'm going to share about this this group in a moment. But um, especially when you are doing civil disobedience that like targets the actual policymakers mm-hmm. or the banks or the corrupt like right. that are actually targeting those people that are like pulling the levers of power and bla- putting them on blast and shaming them and shutting down their fucking wine cave events and like <laughs> doing all that like that has the effect of your targeting the right people you're making their lives difficult for doing the wrong thing yeah and you're also because these things make the news they're a big deal you're also like waking up the populace at the same time so speaking of waking up the populace like i have the the reaction to civil disobedience from just general people who are not engaged in activist circles that I've seen generally through work and generally like they generally have a right-wing mindset but still it's been you know these fucking assholes why are they fucking blocking the street they're like disrupted like it's it's been very much against the protesters like this this sort of mindset of they're just there to ruin people's days for for what for you know because they I I again there is an element of they don't understand the stakes they don't understand like exactly. you know that it, it's it's hard it's a hard thing to grasp and it's a hard thing to explain to people because you sound like a fucking doomsday prophet um where like if you aren't a i i'm not a scientist i can't like i know what's happening but i can't necessarily express that what's happening that well if I'm just in casual conversation with someone. I sound like a raving lunatic. Um, Yeah, how do you like casually pull someone aside and be like, hey, have you heard about the climate crisis? Let me explain to you what greenhouse gas emissions are. Let me explain the physics. Let me tell you where we're at right now. Let me get you up to speed. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm hearing things like we just like, they just want to stop, stop cars and oil and like, basically civilization because they're a bunch of crazy hippies type deal. If there's a question here is how do you get the optics of civilized disobedience right so that it actually, it isn't taking steps backward in like making people just sort of knee jerk reaction against, against activists. Well, I think there's two answers to that. First of all, civil disobedience has never been historically like in the moment. It's never popular. It's, It's only until we look back that we go, Oh, that was actually very effective in in garnering change. But also, there are different kinds of civil disobedience. And that's why I'm excited about this group. Because I will say, you know, we, of course, Peter Kalmus, the NASA climate scientist, has been a a person I've hearkened back to and has kind of been part of these episodes. Um, He actually, and I, I will say, like, I don't criticize anybody just doing what they think that we have to do. I mean, it's like part of it is like we got to throw paint against the wall and see what sticks because nothing has stuck so far. Mm -hmm. Voting the right way has not done anything so far meaningfully. Uh, That's a, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Well, yeah. And so, so you have to, you know, you can sympathize with these people from that perspective, but 
Peter Kalmus, he he also thinks the road blocking is is not very effective because um, and but I at the same time, I'm like, I'm not criticizing those people that think that that is the right thing to do. I mean, the 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 dire situation that we're in is is so is so bad that I think anything people try. I mean, mm-hmm. we do want to have the best, most effective tactics that are like viewed by everybody in a positive way. Definitely. But I'm not going to like criticize those people too harshly. But like Peter Kalmus also doesn't think they're very effective because yeah often you're just you're targeting everyday people that are just on their commute and like as we just discussed with the carbon inequality like they're not you know i get what they're trying to do is they're just trying to wake up everybody so they are as alarmed as the people that are aware are alarmed but not the way to do it because you're just sort of you're, you're you're putting them on the defensive. I don't think that people blocking the roads are like telling people not to, they're bad for driving necessarily. I guess that might be the effect. I think what well, they're, they're trying to do is, is, is the ultimate goal is to like block commerce and to shut shit down. Yeah, It's yeah. not really having to do with cars, but that could but obviously that's, that's be the, the perspective. That could that, be the perception. Like the, yeah. the perception, exactly the perception. So it is a question of intent versus perception. Versus yeah. results. Yeah. Like, what is it actually accomplishing? Um, yeah. So I, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say my opinion is that, yeah, I just wouldn't be too, I wouldn't too harshly criticize those tactics. But if we're actually talking about like what is going to be the most effective, there are, there are mm-hmm. better ways. Yeah. There are better ways to do it. Yeah. Which um, is what I was trying to get at. Cause I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've seen the results within like people who are just, you know, civilians and not in the activist spaces and not tuned into all this. They are just seeing someone from their perspective, try to ruin their day, try to stop them from driving, you know, whatever it is. Well, yeah, actually this does, uh, it's a recent declare emergency um, action that they did was basically the, the, the thing that I don't fucking condone is like people get really aggressive and Mm -hmm. they try to like drag the people off of the road and are super fucked up and like get in their faces like yeah trying to get them to stop blocking the road but one of the recent ones was like this lady like getting in their faces and being like i know the planet is burning i know everything is fucking burning but i need to feed my kids i need to go to work so i can feed my kids and it's like that is what is so fucked up and why we need to understand that it, this is a systemic mm-hmm. problem because that person while I don't like that they were aggressively responding to these protesters, they point. have a point. Yeah, And it's fucking sad that that person is in a situation where they're like, I know this is happening. Right. But I got to get through today you're, you're and not, I got to feed not, my family yeah, today. You, you are not affecting the corporations or the rich assholes. You are affecting the individuals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It. I don't know. It, there's there's nuance. I there think for their sure. ultimate goal. It's like there's just not enough of them to do it. Yeah. Their ultimate goal is like we shut fucking DC down because they target DC in particular. Yeah. We shut DC down. You know they arrest enough right. of them. They're overflowing the jails like they to where someone would have to respond. But it's it's just not at that point. So yeah. Again, like. Right, but that's the same thing as trying to organize just a mass people not going to work. Like you just you, it's it's not gonna functionally work at this at this moment. 
Yeah, like a general strike. A general or strike. Yeah, that's you have what to have was, like strike funds. And yeah, yeah. That, like people have tried to set that up before, and it's been a resounding, you know, didn't didn't go didn't go anywhere. Well, that's why I'm really excited <laughs> about this new group hey. because I think they have found the perfect and. I don't think they invented this. I think there have been for a while like really good civil disobedience actions or like Mm -hmm. disruptive actions that have gone on that are not blocking road type behavior and are targeting the right, the right people and right things. Um, So yeah, climate defiance is super cool. They're mostly young activists. They kind of remind me of like, what I wish the Sunrise Movement would have been, what it, although... what it, what it could have turned into, and what it was in its early days. Yeah, like because but... the movement I joined was not the movement that it is now. I, yeah, it is yeah. now, and that I've effectively like just kind of quietly left. Climate Defiance yeah, does is... actually partner with some sunrisers that are willing to do. Well, that's the thing. As a movement, you can't you can't lump every hub into the what National is doing. Yeah, and what, part of my problem with what National is doing is they made it harder for us to operate as a independent hub trying to address like they, they're they're shifted more towards an organizational structure that we've seen of you know everybody has to like I just I I do not agree with their your their methodology anymore I I think their hearts are in the right place I think they tried to do it as democratically as they could I don't think what resulted was necessarily great for some of the smaller rural you know scrappier hubs out yeah there. like we're not a we're not a fucking big city we're not climate defiance they'll be doing an action somewhere and they partner with whatever like okay, local okay. One, one second so the organization you are talking about is climate defiance the organization i'm talking about is climate defiance okay because yes. you, you kept saying this organization and that, i think that's the first time we've heard the name oh really yeah okay. well Climate Defiance. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want to make that clear. Climate Defiance from their website. So Climate Defiance argues that the inside game alone will not be enough to compel those in power to act. We need highly visible, attention-grabbing, disruptive media-earning tactics to confront the crisis we are in. So what they do is called a yellow-level action. Um, so green is like you're at a rally and you're holding a sign that says thing. <laughs> Yeah. And then <laughs> yellow is disrupting whatever invent you're you're causing some kind of disruption, but with a low a low but existent, I guess, possibility of arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, so then going down the line, you have uh, the the red actions, um, which is a high risk of arrest, which would be blocking a road. But there's also ones that I would say are are more meaningful like locking yourself to a pipeline mm-hmm. or locking yourself to Chase Bank or right. locking yourself to a private jet facility or something like that like fucking kudos to those people doing doing that that work too but what climate defiance they kind of hang in that that yellow area and it's been very effective cuz they get the attention and like media grabs which is you know the goal of that would be to wake everybody up right if you're Mm -hmm. constantly seeing these these protesters um saying the shit and what they're doing is they are targeting the motherfuckers who are complicit or actively continuing to cause this problem or a lot of politicians that are 
uh, pretending that they, they, they give lip ser- service to the climate crisis, yet they're taking fossil fuel money or right. they're not doing anything about it. Most of the ones they've been targeting, I'm guessing because we're, it's the Biden administration right now, is um, happen to be Democrats. So, But, but the Democrats <laughs> are the good guys, right? No, no. Nope. Oh, they're, they're not going to get us out of this they're one. They're not Trump. Yeah, so their whole goal is like, yeah, basically doing things to publicly humiliate these scumbags and so like they're they're getting what we want out of it. They're basically not letting these people rest, not letting them like have their wine fundraisers and and their fancy parties and shit they are like infiltrating those and then the monsters making a big scene mm-hmm. and and a lot most of the time like shutting the event down yeah. which is fucking great and then you know it's like it's sometimes they're getting arrested but not all the time and so they're kind of like saving resources by by doing that like they're getting the the I don't know, like having their cake and eating it too. Like they're mm-hmm. getting the effects of what the civil disobedience does and they're kind of minimizing because, you know, you have like bail funds and all the shit that you have to do if you're constantly having every single climate protester get arrested at every single thing. You know, there's there's all kinds of logistic and, and, and funds that are like involved in these actions. But I wanted to list to you quite a few of the awesome things that they've done. So recent actions include, well, actually I say recent actions, but like they've only been on the scene for like a few months. So it's pretty crazy that they've like accomplished all of this. So um, the the most recent one, they uh, disrupted Steny Hoyer's birthday bull roast. So Did you uh, say bull roast? Yes, bull roast. <laughs> Um, I guess they roast Abel. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't well, see that you know, that doing part your part for the climate change, because yeah. that's one less bull farting and, and <laughs> methaneing up our atmosphere. Good on you, birthday bash person whose name I just forgot. Yeah. Steny Hoyer. Steny yeah, Hoyer. He's this long as, long time old as fuck corporate Democrat. He's like been there for years. Um, he pays lip service to the climate crisis at the same time that he has said that the Keystone Pipeline has merit fuck <laughs> and, you and has defended fossil fuel subsidies and of course he fuck continues taking fossil fuel money you and fuck you steady hoyer yeah so they went shit. to his birthday fucking bull roast and um this gal from climate defiance asked like will you stop taking fossil fuel money that's kind of how it starts every time they're like hey my generation can you care about how we're gonna like die or flee from you know yeah, famine, they're, they're, fire they're, floods. Just, they're gonna blow them off aren't they yeah and so they like say something and then usually the politician is doesn't directly say okay i will stop taking fossil fuels and no. i will do x y and z they fucking pivot they try to deflect and then the rest of the group will go you know, and fossil fuels now and like keep keep agitating until like the event gets shut down, actually. <laughs> like that's that's typically what happens. Also, they blockaded the White House Correspondents Dinner, which is a story that made the New York Times. Recently, they also disrupted the Federal Reserve's Jackson Hole Symposium, where the Federal Reserve and central baker- bankers around the world gathered to discuss monetary po- policy. <laughs> so they're like going after the big... Right. Shadowy motherfuckers. And um, yeah, so Climate Defiance, they noted that the 60 top banks have lent $5.5 trillion to fossil fuel companies since the Paris Accords. And then another note is like, 
so the Federal Reserve, it's headed by that guy, Jerome Powell. And he was he was famously Trump's Federal Reserve pick. But then Biden just like renominated him. Oh, and he's oh, like, of course. Yeah. He's not only like a climate villain, but he's also the guy like raising the interest rates. Um, and when he was like questioned about it in Congress, like he admitted like that the goal was to raise unemployment in order to bring inflation down. Fucking piece of shit. So, yeah, this is totally a system that works. That we're, yeah, like, no, no. But all capitalism is, is it gives you the ability to buy things, Carissa. It's a good, yeah. it's a net positive for humanity. Yeah, you want to be able to purchase that, things, right? Yeah, unless you're in that uh, rising unemployment uh percentage there too <laughs> oh you know the trick to that you just don't look over there yeah yeah don't look at those people don't on the look streets. at those people yeah. honestly um, that's that's yeah uh, he has said that the climate crisis is quote not his lane um and yeah so anyways this jackson hole symposium they basically like disrupted this fancy ass dinner like all these videos are just like so heartening to see i don't know it's like so awesome to like see these like young people challenging these motherfuckers um actually at that symposium they like uh, i think at least one guy like got tackled and like fucking knee in the back like Mm -hmm. pretty fucked up the way they were treated there um another one is they disrupted a fancy high dollar donor event on nantucket island for massachusetts governor maura healy who again they were like hey you were supposed to be like a progressive governor. Will you ban new fossil fuel projects? Because mm-hmm. she had p- apparently promised that. And then she like attempted to deflect. And then they all come out and are like, stop fossil fuels more. Da, da, da. And um, that one, I might include a clip in this episode <laughs> because it's super fucked up. These people get really fucking mad. It like got super ugly. Um, they were like, yeah, kind of fucking bullied out of the event. Um, and this like fucking weird landlord guy who was also the Make a Wish Foundation, <laughs> Massachusetts chair, what? flashed a fake sheriff's badge at what? them and told them that he didn't care if they died. Oh, that's why I want to include a clip. Excuse me, Governor Healy. I'm sorry to interrupt. We're in the midst of a climate emergency. And what's your name? My name is Matt. Nice to meet you. I'm Matt. 20 years old and you're throwing my future. The state of Massachusetts is building 10 new fossil fuel infrastructure projects right now. We need you to ban new fossil fuel infrastructure right now. Will you commit to doing that? Yes or no? Let's talk about that, okay? No, let's talk about it. Yes yeah. or no? Let's talk about that. There's a huge transition that we're we're undergoing, and there's a lot of work to do. But let me tell you, and the I first step of the transition is to ban new fossil fuels. Will you ban new fossil fuel infrastructure? I, 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 think I appreciate it, I think that, guys. Yes. I appreciate it's democracy. And fossil fuels, Mora. And fossil fuels. And fossil fuels, Mora. And fossil fuels. You insulted us. How did I assault you? There is no future. Get out! The fossil fuel industry fucked you out. The fossil fuel industry gave you fifty thousand dollars. And fossil fuels, Mora. And fossil fuels. Yeah, how's that work? Don't touch you. Can you tell me what you're saying? No, we're not. I'm 20. I have kids that are nine. Okay. You have absolutely no idea how to get things done. Can you tell me what you're saying? 
I solar everything. I have solar in my mind. Is the individual act going to help us? No, the act of someone in power is going to. If you had half her brain, you would understand. We have no money. Laura has power, and she can help save us. But your rudeness prevents you from talking to us. Who cares how rude we are? I don't mind if you die. I'm going to die a lot quicker than you are. If you fuck, dude, how dare you? In, yeah. Like interrupt their fancy fucking wine drinking fundraisers, dude. No, psychopath. And these are the liberal ones, right? These, these are the are the, li- the psych. But the the amount of psychopathy and just like a lack of like these these people legitimately have no souls. Yeah, and they should not be able to just live happily and have their fancy of that's why i fucking love this group because they are they're not targeting the everyday guy they are targeting the right fucking people right these people that run the show and could do something about this they also they took over a gala honoring harvard law professor jody friedman who was earning 300 million per year for her work with the willow project builder conoco phillips and that after that event it was such a public event Lots of news re- stories reported about it. Um, she actually stepped down from Conoco Phillips. Oh, so that direct action like worked. So that, that actually led that actually like kind of answers uh, partially answers a question I had. Is is this does this actually have effects beyond like just being disruptive to a person? Because I could see that going one of two ways. I could see that of like the person either goes, okay, this isn't worth it and backs off of the shitty things they're doing, given enough pressure, which I think is the goal. Or the person says these fucking activists and digs their heels in and just like, you know, goes and cries into a big pile of fossil fuel money, but then keeps doing it. Well, there's there's no doubt that the state is depending what state you're in. I'm saying the state as the general fucking you know is clamping down on climate protesters that's very clear in the cop city situation um so however but it's like but what the only answer that to that is is more yeah is is more civil distance like you know what i mean like because what else do we do then we just lose the fucking fight right but i mean that that did that did cause a an actual change right that person right. stepped down the other question which you know it's like there there's many factors right yeah. so biden is a piece of shit he's approved the willow project schumer took some fucking blood money for the from the mb mvp people the mountain Val- valley pipeline that a lot of climate protesters are targeting right now so yeah and and you know he did approve more fossil fuel permits than trump did previously he did he approved more of those but oh but he's the climate president right so that was that was something marie glusenkamp press said at one of her debates wasn't it yeah but oddly she said it as like a defense of biden yeah by saying like he's not the like he's not a fucking climate communist person or whatever the fuck the republicans more than trump yeah yeah yeah, no that and that's why the trumpers got mad in that they were like no we didn't (laughs) That is so mess. Again, talking about there's some local reality that's basically satire for you. That is yes. so messed up that the Democrat would be trying to tout this this shit 
And the, the Republicans are getting upset because obviously, no, he's not that bad. Biden couldn't possibly be as bad as our boy Trump. Yeah. Like it was in a way where she was being, cri- she was not being critical of right. Biden for doing that. That's why I brought she, it up. Exactly. It's like, it's fucked. Yeah. Like, again, crazy. She, like, she's like this, this, you know, the, the, this quote unquote progressive is, is doing that as a, as a strategy of like, well, this is like framing that as as a good thing. We're in a fucking upside down world oh once again. God. Like here we are, so, and we're just. But my point there is like I just want to preface that Biden is really bad on climate change for starters, and yeah. bad shit is still going on yeah. right now. But a recent. And Go ahead. No, I'm just like the thought that people don't understand that because Biden's the Democrat and therefore he must be doing good. We're just not paying attention to what he's actually doing. Yeah, they're not going to save us. I don't care if you say, but they're better than a Republican. They're still not going to save us and electoralism is not going to save us. So you casting your vote. No, I'm sorry. It's not enough. There's got to be something else we can all do. I just want to say like the situation's bad because I just don't want there to be any illusions about how bad Biden is on climate and how he's a complete climate criminal and traitor uh, over the things he ran on. But um, but my point was a recent news story came out that he actually canceled. I think it was oh, it was either seven or nine. It was a good handful of um, Arctic drilling permits. They were Trump era ones. Um, and he did cancel those recently. I don't know that climate defiance did that. Right. There's many factors. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker is also trying to get elected. Right. Um, but that being said, climate defiance and groups like him calling him out for the piece of shit that he is, is only rather than running cover for him. Right. And white greenwashing his administration. Right. right, right. Is only going to force his feet to the fire in order to earn those votes of those yeah. those climate people. So So anyways, that was just to answer your question of like, well, is it is this actually going to work? Well, we do know I, there. Yeah, like I can't say definitively. Right. But we do know in history with, you know, the civil rights and the suffragettes, mm-hmm. civil disobedience made a big impact. So. Well, there's this interesting dynamic of the more impact it's making, the more it's going to like the system is going to push back on it increasingly, increasingly horrific ways which is going to make it more dangerous and it's going to like ramp up the stakes for just regular people. Well, yeah, I mean, well then, you know, climate change doing its thing is also going to, it's, you know what I mean? It's like pressure we're, we're from fucked that, either yeah. way. Yeah. And the, the just, other thing about... But I'm just, I'm, I'm interested in like kind of the mechanisms of what's actually going to happen as these different pressures like get put into the pot. Right. Um, because we've seen like how how willing they are to like we saw with Standing Rock, just how fucked like, pri- you know, you had private security firms, you had the police, you had like all of this purely fascistic stuff being leveled at these people. Yeah, with just, Cop City, it's like they and with literally Cop City, killed that, that, a fucking protester. Yeah, I, I, yeah, fucking Cop City. And now they're charging all these people under RICO charges um, that I think they were like, it was a group that was collecting bail funds for protesters or something. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's It's, it's going to get very... real terrifying real fast because 
they want to protect their shitty apocalypse status quo. There's no point here. This is just me kind of like looking at the situation. But the flip side of that is like they wouldn't be doing that unless there was some real threat there. Exactly. They Yeah, because the, the power is, mm-hmm. is truly being challenged. And from what I understand about history too is like the more like we don't we don't want it to get to that point where people are being fucking clamped down on and their civil liberties violated and all this fucked up shit and they're being hurt. But, um, that historically that, that, that only creates the snowball effect where people are, the public provides or has more sympathy for these people and then want to be engaged more and more. That's what you see with cop city going on right now. I mean, this is, uh, this is a spotlight on in Georgia mm-hmm. um, that the whole nation is watching and everybody is supportive of. I mean, I guess we can't say we, everybody. We're supportive I don't know what the of fuck the protesters, not cops. Yeah, city. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the to make that absolutely clear. City, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Good to clarify. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do want to go through a couple more uh, actions they did. Those. Uh, Top fucking corporate milk toast Dems that we love to hate. Um, so they interrupted a Kamala Harris speech recently, and the event wasn't shut down with that. They actually tried to go to another Kamala Harris event where they had like planned with the fucking city ahead of time to like block it with garbage trucks because they knew there'd be fucking climate protesters. So fucking gross. But anyways, this guy basically like disrupted her speech was saying like hey like what the fuck the willow project all this shit and she did this thing which you might remember from the democratic primary forget who it was but basically she like stops and she's like i'm speaking i'm speaking like let the woman speak yeah you fucking yeah you you fucking chauvinist (laughs) asshole well yeah the person yelling happened to be a male climate protester but yeah oh i i didn't even i didn't even i didn't even question that i assumed she was i assumed she was playing (laughs) that card exactly no and it's funny because it's like dude like it just it was like it it did not have the effect that she like wanted it to (laughs) you know it's like wow you just look like like you just repeat like you're a fucking robot the same shit yeah i i i am sorry but like i don't care like it's it's great that you're female it's great that you're not white but also that doesn't mean you're not a piece of shit i understand that i'm torching your future but i'm speaking right now and you're being rude it's like it's the the fucking call of these people this was the first time i was made aware or around the first time i was made aware of climate defiance was they shut down a Amy Klobuchar book launch. Oh, event. Amy Klobuchar. The There's video, a name I haven't yeah, heard in a while. Yeah, in the video, like she gets up and walks off the stage, and it's like, you know, she probably like beat the shit out of one of her assistants or something. Because remember that during the fucking. Vaguely. The yeah. primary, like, came out that she's like a, a crazy abuser. She like threw a hairbrush at like one of her. She like flies into rages and like abuses her staff. So, anyways, yeah. I just imagine I, I, I was. I, feel I felt like, bad for the poor person backstage after she had to shamefully. <laughs> leave her own book event after getting it shut down. I mean, I feel like she's not unique in that regard. There's probably a whole bunch of politicians who are just raging, egomaniacal assholes. Yeah, yeah. Of course. She's just just being called out for it specifically. So more things. Um, They got arrested storming the halls of Congress. They shut down the Deputy National Climate Advisor for the Biden administration's one of their meetings. Um, Swarmed the field of the Congressional Women's Softball game. That was a really gross one. Like, basically, the 
congressional women. The fucking I don't even so know. So these are what, female Congress people then. Yeah, like I can't even think of like a a name that I recognized that was playing that game. But basically, like the instead of like engaging with the climate protesters and being like, okay, well, what do you want? Like, what can we talk about or whatever? They basically just like started dancing in the most cringy, like, oh, cringy fucking fashion, like for the audience, like off to the side. What? Yeah, like as these people are like, hey. The world is burning. Are you people in power going to do something about it? And they're literally like dancing. That that feels like a Democrat <laughs> move. No, yeah, I'm, dude. Yeah, it feels like uh, I bet it was all dance, dude. Like, no, the Republicans <laughs> would just be fucking like pure crazy. But that or kind they'd of, probably like get in your face. Or they or would get. They would yeah. have the balls to like defend their their you know their insane positions. If you're doing some passive aggressive weird bullshit, that is a. That is that says damn. Why won't people vote for us? Yeah, we're totally relatable. Yeah. We're totally we're, we're hip with the young people. Look at this. Hey guys, just slipping in here for a little more information on this this congressional softball game that was interrupted by climate defiance. So when the congressional women's softball game was interrupted, the broadcaster on the mic said that it's interesting that the women's game for charity was interrupted in a very long, prolonged way, but the men's was not. Uh, implying some kind of uh, sexist discrimination in in which uh, softball game they chose to protest, even though the protesters themselves, of course, were made up of multiple gendered people. Um, so absolutely a ridiculous deflection. Um, I'm pretty sure they were interrupted because they're fucking Congress people playing softball in public as the world burns and they are not acting to end fossil fuels. In fact, many of them are actively expanding fossil fuels right so um climate defiance also called out the hypocrisy of those criticizing them for disrupting a charity event this being a charity event for breast cancer awareness when they pointed out that quote our government spends 20 billion dollars a year on fossil fuel subsidies and that fossil fuels drive one in five deaths and that, quote, a very significant percentage of women on the field favored brutally stripping 29,800,000 Americans of their Obamacare coverage. But anyways, Philip and I were curious which Congress people participated and their party affiliations. Of course, the answer to that is both Republican and Democrats were there, including ecocidal scumbag Senator Amy Klobuchar, who was the announcer for the game and who, of course, is a Democrat, and Republican Senator Shelley Moore Capito, who owns stock in the Mountain Valley Pipeline, and who therefore, of course, supported approval of this pipeline. Um, she was spotted shaking hands with the audience of the game during the climate defiance protest to distract. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. So, okay, so two more things. And I think that the, these are definitely like where, where, you know, the general population would be like, yes, yes. First one. First favorite one. Uh, <laughs> shut down Joe Manchin's keynote address on permitting reform. Oh. You know, the permitting reform he wanted to like expand fossil fuels with or whatever. So yeah. um, they also shut down Chuck Schumer's $3,000 a plate fundraiser at the Harvard Club. $3,000 a plate. Yeah. And it's crazy because you're like, how the fuck did those kids even get in there? They are f- some crafty, scrappy motherfuckers dude and like <laughs> it's amazing like i'm like how did who 
what security did you get past like where they're literally like in this room it looks like in like a high-rise apartment or something schmoozing all all these people fucking schmoozing together chuck schumer's literally there it's like it's for rich people you know and these people like got up in the elevator and got there and they're like talking to all of them and like shutting it down and it's crazy the the level of people to which three thousand dollars a plate would seem like some reasonable thing Oh, I know. It's yeah, that shit is. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What? And Chuck Schumer, why did they target Chuck, Chuck Schumer? Because he is fucking doing the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Of course. He's let, and that's, that's, I mean, Joe Manchin wants that too, but yeah, he's well, a that, fucking climate that, criminal. They're well, all fucking pieces yeah. of shit. They're, they're all in a big club and you ain't in it, as fucking George Carlin would say. It's like, that's not as, L- as cliche as that might sound, it's fucking true. Yeah, no, it's the private jet, you know, $3,000 a plate party. I'm kind of bored today, so why don't we just go shoot a rocket off into space type people? What? I, yeah, I mean, that's those were just all the examples of, of what Climate Defiance is doing. And they're, yeah, they're just one group. It's like, that's not really a, a local action. I know we, like, advocate for local stuff. But for example... We, I mean, we could do disruptive action here locally. And what I mean by disruptive action is like more than one person showing up to a fucking council <laughs> meeting. Like, can we at least do that? Like, can we show up in mass to a council yeah. meeting? Like, could we just like fucking rock the I'm, boat a I, tiny you know bit? What? I don't I am, know. I'm sure at some point Earl Bowerman is going to have a birthday. <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking or his you know, birthday bull roast. His birthday bull roast. <laughs> Bowerman's birthday. Bowerman's birthday bash. Um, yeah, like we've already I mean, gone over who the the local people climate deniers are. What we do know is not working is the conventional lobbying tactics that are going on right now, where it's one person representing a group giving a heavily sanitized message about what the group thinks makes sense and is the right thing to do offend anyone or use trigger words (laughs) if you're polite enough carissa if you're just really really polite and we don't want to annoy the counselors don't annoy them yes you want them um and we asked pretty please yeah then that wait that didn't get us what we want okay well i think obviously you didn't grovel hard enough yeah (laughs) petition type bullshit yeah. One last thing on, on, on climate defiance, just one last note to tie, kind of tie that all up, is the reason we, even though we're like acting locally too, why we need to like look at these other groups and help them out is because like with, with climate change, it's like the best thing would to be, because we need a system overhaul, right? Like yeah. the best thing to do is for all these governments to be coordinated and the federal government mm-hmm. is the most would have the most effect. They have the most power. They could fund things that local places are doing to transition. If done correctly, there could be a much more just transition Mm -hmm. off of fossil fuels, right? Where like, if we need to shut down certain industries or like, you know, effectively eliminate them, they, people have a job opportunity elsewhere. That was kind of the whole idea of the Green New Deal, yes. right? <laughs> yes. yes to, you know, nobody left behind. We're going to do this big transition. So, yeah, that I guess I just wanted to note that, like, the importance of, like, local shit, obviously, but mm-hmm. we got to be fighting on all fronts, and we have to understand that, like, our our local governments are 
I, I'm not letting them off the hook. I'm just saying like they're somewhat limited in a way because if this whole thing is not a coordinated effort, it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot messier yeah. than it has to be. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they just, these motherfuckers in Congress and bankers and all these people, like they, ha- they have way more power than anybody else does. Right. With climate I, change, we don't have time to wait for voting a whole bunch of people in that often compromise their values once we put all this energy <laughs> yeah, into fucking getting the them thing. in there anyway. That's the thing, right? <laughs> God damn it. That's the thing. We, we gotta like, I, you know, I, I, that's why I really feel like th- this kind of disruptive action, this kind of stuff is, is the way because you're like, you're just, you're forcing the pressure on the people that are already there. And they're probably not going anywhere for a while. Like, yeah, it, there is a lot to be said for that because I think traditional wisdom has held that like these people are crap and they are crap and they need to be replaced, but then replacing them takes a time and it's a hell of a struggle. And then, like you said, when they are replaced, that person can very easily slide into the same corrupt pool of, well, that wasn't who we, we fought so hard for. Yeah. I mean, Exactly. I, I feel like a fair amount of Marie Gluson Camp Perez's supporters are feeling that way. Exactly. And that's why this co- these conversations about like priorities and because there is a limited pool of energy, right? Like there Absolutely. is we have to like and maximize like we have to be smart about it. We have to yeah. be and, and part of the reason like we haven't had much momentum here locally is because like there's this competition for like volunteers and if there's a limited pool and then you've got five different climate organizations, each trying to draw from that pool and four of them are weeks, you know, milk toast. (laughs) We just, yeah. Yeah. Weak sauce. Um, just like, okay. So we've got, we're just gonna like, like you said, this bullshit about like just trying to make the, the most polite and inoffensive lobbying possible and like undercutting your own messaging to no end to be able to do that. Well, yeah. (laughs) And like this whole idea of like one person shows up to represent the group or whatever. It's like, well, you just, you're just one. They're like, okay, thanks for your, thanks for your thoughts. We already knew you're an environmental group and we know what you want us to do. And that's that, that, that one person is one person. I don't care how many goddamn like people you're supposedly representing. You're not there in numbers. You're there as a single individual just trying to like give a list of not even demands, mild suggestions. Well, and just think about the human psychology of it. If I'm sitting at a fucking podium and like a bunch of people, a bunch of residents are like show up and are yep. watching every fucking move I make yep. and are like Hey, everybody doing their three minute speech being like, hey, and that's, I want this. I want this. Why aren't you doing this? I didn't like this. Of course, you're going to feel the fucking pressure. And that's what Jan Kelly and Friends of Central Vancouver organized to stop the concrete <laughs> batch plant like that shit worked. Exactly. Um, but some people would say that they were annoying and the counselors didn't like it. But it's like, but it's like, but they got what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that ultimately I, they won being annoying wins. Yes. Politeness, like agitating is the way to do it. Like, that's what I just don't get. But and I will say, like, I do feel like because you and I are kind of in touch with like what is going on locally 
with the local environmental groups or whatever. But like, I do feel like generally there's not enough people. Yeah. No, there's not. So it's kind of like, um, I mean, well, chicken or the egg. It's like, you got to have a lot of people engaged yeah. to do that yeah. public, you know, that public pressuring. Yeah. So and anything the- we do is going to have to happen outside of those groups. I think, right. You know, it's like, I'm not going to completely say nothing should be said for playing the inside game but look at what doing the only the inside game look where that has gotten us there has to be for that at least an outside game at least paired with the inside game if even the inside game at all i don't know how much that really helps for that pale shriveled carrot to work at all you need a pretty big stick yeah Okay, well, and then we just we touched a little bit on tactics. I want to say as far as since we spoke on, you know, how much can a local government actually do? And then based on what we talked about last time about like, what is our local government doing? I kind of came up with like three, three areas where I think the local climate movement, whatever people should be most targeting most and most concerned about. Of course, the first thing would be we should be trying to halt most or all commercial industrial development. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the second priority, I think, which has been a theme throughout too, which is protecting and expanding sustainable agriculture and nature spaces. Of course, but, right? But we have to will, stop what cutting will happen trees to the and... poor developers. <laughs> I don't know. They're not being listened to enough. With they the are not. It's they're, just... they're the true underdog of this story. Yeah. The agriculture thing, I think we touched on last time with climate, it's it's just like not, it's mostly not being talked about as yeah. far as climate resiliency, uh, as far as how are we going to feed ourselves when the global food system breaks down well, and it keeps ratcheting know, up. We'll, we'll worry know. about that when the numbers that are keep being cooked actually show some reason to be <laughs> sure. alarmed. <laughs> oh it's fine. <laughs> We've got cooked. plenty yeah. of food. I just... <laughs> Yeah, the numbers say we the have time, actually, we... now, when you cut out the military. <laughs> when you, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And when you cut out the emissions of pe- people visiting Vancouver, when you don't include those, uh, then, yeah, the other one would be rapid expansion of active mobility infrastructure. We're hopefully going to talk to people from Cycle Vancouver to, to like, get an idea what so the landscape for, is. for those not, like, in the know, what is an e-bike? An e-bike is an electric powered bike. It has a small battery. And so if you're a lazy asshole like me, <laughs> you can, or you have a kid and you got them on a bike trailer, yeah, you yeah. can get around town, do your basic commutes um, on a bike. But that is only going to be incentivized more if we have protected bike lanes and those bike lanes exactly. actually exist in a lot of places. Right, and, and we went over this back in the day with uh, with Sarah Smith of like, one of my biggest trepidations about doing any kind of bike travel is just how fucking dangerous it looks. Exactly. And it doesn't like, have to be that the, way. Because the infrastructure isn't there. They're all like on the side of the road. I keep having to go around them. It's like, ooh, if thing person in car hits person on bike, person in car wins every time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, that's another thing where it's like, it's kind of systemic. It's an, in, it, it's yeah. a, it, yeah, if like we, we could if we could change demand. that, then like I think things would, I think things would shift that way. Yeah, and from what I understand, which, like again, I yeah, like I'm not the expert, for, but from what I understand is like, 
you could actually add that bike lane protection at a pretty rapid pace and um seattle is actually doing something like that i feel like right if now. they can put in all these warehouses and all this bullshit i know as quickly they can, as they as are quickly as yes. they are just <laughs> rubber stamping that oh my god cha-ching boom 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 and amazon went over there let's have a tesla factory over there yeah, and we're half we're supposed to be having this like funding coming from like the state and the federal government with like climate shit. So it's I like, mean, yeah, can we this, get this going? Like, this, but is this the funding the council like lost for being in noncompliance? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a question right now. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, but you know, in five, ten, fifteen years, Philip, we're gonna regret that we wanted to move away from the car, according to Karen Parman, <laughs> harken back to the last episode. But yeah, anyways, anyways, those are those are what I think like are kind of not getting enough attention. Like I just feel like as far as bringing emissions down, if yeah. you induce that demand for, for bikes and other like active mobility, like that's the quickest thing to fucking get cars off the road and yeah, yeah and stop fucking building shit we don't need. Number one. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so so last note as far as priorities, we went from, yeah, we went through, you know, civil disobedience, direct action, and then we, we've just gone through, like, what can we do on a local level as far as tactics and, and specific things we should be targeting, mm-hmm. like development, right? And so now we're at the lowest rung on the list of priorities as far as climate action, which is individual action. Peter Kalma says... He, his opinion is that like in, individual choices are just not climate activism. Mm-hmm. You're not a climate activist. If you choose not to eat meat, you're not a climate activist. If you choose not to fly, those are all good things. And if you know that those things are bad, you should probably try not to do them. Yeah. The big thing I really wanted to say about that is that like, I feel like as far as individual actions, like, like what's going on with climate change right now is like, we have the science, we have the solutions, it, but what's happening is kind of, it's systemic, but it's also social. It's mm-hmm. like a social phenomenon. Like the the gears keep a turning, the business carries on. We're all kind of hypnotized into just like carrying on. And yeah. so I feel like individual actions do have their their place, although it's the last place of all the other things, right? I feel like in your like we we signal to each other in our behaviors mm-hmm. what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. If you're somebody who's like, you know, if you're all your friends are like flying to a concert across the country on a fucking weekend on a whim, you might think that's OK, too. Right. Like, I feel like there is something to be said Pure there. Pressure. Or if, you know, not even individual actions, but if all of a sudden, like all your friends kind of like care about like think about Black Lives Matter, like. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, people are, like, giving a shit about climate change and, like, showing up to stuff. Like, there, there's a social element there. I want to ask you about something that I feel like got memory hold. I swear to God, this was a thing. And so I, I'm curious if you even remember it. Right before COVID, remember there was, like, a sweeping fucking, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say movement, but, like... All of a sudden, everybody was, there was a whole thing about straws, about plastic straws. Do you remember that? I remember, I remember sitting down with like one of the 
city councilors at the time because like Sunrise Southwest Washington had just started. We were reaching out to local government officials. We were just kind of talking to them. There was some bullshit about straws that I was sitting there going like, the, the fuck is that going to do for anything? Well, yeah. So first of all, That's... like lamest bullshit movement ever. <laughs> like people th- are like feeling good that they're not like, but yeah, that, that was straws the only... do get stuck in fucking turtles noses and shit. <laughs> like that is fucked up. Plastic waste in the ocean is a problem. Like, yeah, like don't use a straw. You don't fucking need a straw. But as a as like <laughs> in the face of climate change. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yes, no, it's totally totally inadequate so, action, right? Yeah, and but, super lame. But the point is that it was a thing that, I, that everybody was like doing and talking really, about. That was my only connection to it. I just thought it was kind of weird at the time because I didn't have any larger context. Well, I knew because I work in the restaurant industry. Of course. Yeah. I so was... you'd have like people meeting up and like people were straight up like embarrassed about ordering straws. Like it was a thing across the board. Everybody like so like two people that were friends or maybe they're on a date or whatever. Like that one is... person would definitely be like, Oh, I don't need a straw. Like you could tell it was like a social pressure thing where suddenly it was like, everybody knew about the turtles and they wanted to, that is so bizarre, <laughs> but yeah. also useful. Cause that yes. like does speak to societal pressure. But the funny thing that is kind of like a bad sign is that, <laughs> is that like then COVID hit and yeah. like all the restaurants were, Clothes. Oh, they were yeah, doing takeout yeah. or whatever. We we solved straws. COVID, but then we thing came COVID back solved. and no one gives a fuck about straws anymore. Everybody's no, using them. We are social beings. There is a social element here that we could use right. to our advantage as climate activists or not. And right. that's that's just where I think with like the individual actions, like and I think it's like in the Netherlands or somewhere, you know, there's a thing. It's called they call it flight shame. There's a flight mm-hmm. shame movement where it's like, no, it's not cool for you to like Right. Fucking show off on Instagram about your weekend vacation. You flew to California or whatever the fuck. It's it's difficult. It's like we don't want to do too much shaming of individual actions because we know we need to target the the powers that be. Right. But at the same time, I just feel like, it, you know, if we could ignite some kind of and I, I think that's what I think that's what these climate defiance people are doing. I think like just the whole. We we need a cultural shift. We need to ignite a a cultural shift that is absolutely that is like cake, taking care of the planet is cool. Yeah, and yeah. minimalism is cool. Yeah, and fuck Bezos and Musk. Musk is the cool thing to say. And we need to and- keep, <laughs> keep control of the narrative because I I feel like in some ways that's what the Green New Deal was trying to do. You know, it's it, it was a thing based off of you know you know, the new deal and it was supposed to be this mass cultural shift or, you know, a way towards a mass cultural shift. Yeah. And that and, had a lot of economic justice yeah, elements yeah. to the, the, this green, you know, and then it just, it got type. gradually yeah. demonized and oh, cal ridiculed cow farts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if we're talking, if this episode is about what you as an individual can do. Yeah. All those considerations can be. And I will say like. Is that what this episode is about? Hey, that's back three hours ago. That's what, <laughs> that's what I thought this episode was about. That's I think that's what it should be about. Yes. Yeah. So like, for example, it's like, hey, if you're not the one, if you're like, you're like, I'm not there yet. All right. I can't, I can't bring myself to risk arrest or do anything too crazy. 
guess what? These people need funding. Mm-hmm. Fund those 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 people, and then you can see what they're doing and be proud that you like in, yeah. invested in something that's yeah. actually like that's actually like changing the game. You know what? And you can do your local stuff at the same time, and that matters too. And in your own life. I swear to God, one day you will feel better about the individual choices you made that were good for the planet. I will say that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sound too much like a fucking hippie, but it's true. I mean, fucking hippies might have had a point. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is the final episode of the Surfing the Apocalypse series, so I want to round everything out with an outro that expounds more on empowering you all to connect with your community by touching on some ideas and things that didn't make it into Philip and I's conversation. So the members of Climate Defiance tracked down and confronted Deputy Interior Secretary Tommy Boudreau, who personally signed off on the Willow Project in Alaska, which is set to move 180,000 barrels of oil a day. He, for some reason, was slated to speak at Climate Week, I guess because this is just how the Biden administration rolls and we live in the fucking upside down, you know, allowing people like Boudreaux, whose previous job was representing fossil fuel clients, to be in the Biden administration despite Biden having made explicit promises to young voters about addressing the climate crisis and despite what the science tells us we have to do, which is ramp down fossil fuels now to build new fossil fuel projects not even just continue fossil fuels but to build new projects that are just that are going to live on many years later um is ecocide i mean it's all ecocide but we need to call this for for what it is um and respond appropriately anyways <laughs> and, and climate defiance is responding appropriately um so let's listen to that you signed the willow project what do you have to say to young people in new york Tommy Boudreaux, you approved the Willow Project. Get out of New York City. Hey, you're Tommy Boudreaux. You support fossil fuels. You signed the Willow Project. You're on the wrong side of history, and you're leading us deeper into irreversible planetary catastrophe. You're not listening to the scientists. You have a sort of conflict that's going to risk billions of lives. How do you do that? How do you go to bed at night? How do you look yourself in the mirror, man? Sorry, I, I'm serious. Do you understand climate change, sir? Is that a no? I'm not hearing any kind of answer. It's funny, you're about to go talk at a climate event. I will fuck you, man. Tommy, will fuck you, man. Tommy, will fuck you, man. Don't touch us. Don't touch us. Get your hands off me. He has no right speaking at an event at Climate Week in our city. This man, Tommy Boudreaux, signed one of the biggest fossil fuel expansion projects this country has ever seen. And fossil fuels, Tommy, and fossil fuels. Your boss, Joe Biden, is skipping the UN Climate Ambition Summit tomorrow. What a fucking joke this administration is. And fossil fuels, Tommy, and fossil fuels. Tommy Boudreaux, you approved the Willow Project. What do you have to say for yourself? The number one what thing from uh, deployment. Yeah, you cannot touch her. Assistant Secretary Boudreaux, you are a climate criminal. Okay, so, sir, this isn't the forum for that. Can't do that. rightly out of And that's why, you know, he gets pushed around outside the front of the building, which is not okay. Fossil fuels! Fossil fuels! You can't hide from us! That's pretty cold! 
So just to describe a little bit of what was going on there, they blockaded all entrances to Climate Week to stop uh, Tommy Boudreaux from entering. Um, They disrupted every action he attempted to make five times that day. NASA climate scientist Peter Kalmus was there as well. He himself confronted Boudreaux. Um, You can hear that in the recording, or you heard that in the recording as well. Um, Again, this is exactly what needs to happen to these people. They need to be made very uncomfortable and very be very publicly shamed for their actions. Secondly, I want to share my summary and thoughts about a video essay on living the revolution and dual power from video essayist Mexi that has personally inspired me. Mexi talks about tapping into radical creativity, pleasure activism, moving toward the yeses and what excites us, self-actualization, community, and having collective agency. Um, She also reminds us that our movement should be so irresistible that people cannot help but need to be a part of it. She says that although much of the work we need to do is about reaction, we need to take joy in the proaction as well. In this essay, she also takes issue with the common left fetishization of revolution as a singular event, a seizure of power that will happen at some unknown time in the future that we're all just waiting around for. Now, I would say that the material conditions in the modern day right now in the U.S. and everywhere around the world compared to past history do indicate that we are on the track for some kind of kind of revolution and the climate crisis as it wor- worsens of course is is going to cause that revolution if we if it's not incited by humans prior to that um either way she takes issue with this whole let's just sit around and wait for that to happen mentality she says in the buildup before that singular event, we have work to do. We need to create dual, parallel, communal, liberatory institutions outside of the current system, and we need to actually live radical social relations into being. So how do we do that? What can we do now to live differently, to ensure that that parallel infrastructure is in place to meet people's needs as late-stage capitalism deteriorates and climate change worsens? Well, we don't have to exactly start from scratch on that one. Mexi points to those who have come up with community-focused ways of using technology to solve problems in the here and now and of building a network of those committed to reciprocity and facilitating a sharing or gifting economy. Yes, kind of like the original idea behind Burning Man, but minus the hedonism and before it was co-opted. Mexi throws out resource-sharing ideas such as tool libraries, appliance libraries, guerrilla gardening, urban food forests, food sharing, and vehicle sharing. Fortunately, many of these things already exist in our own community and just need more human energy to grow and be maintained. A lot more human energy, by the way. Of course, resource sharing is not just a way to fight back against a system that runs on endless extraction for profit and the required suffering to facilitate that extraction, but it combats climate change at the same time that it saves you money. So this is why we already see some of these ideas in the city of Vancouver's own climate action framework, because obviously sharing resources rather than everyone having their own private individual stuff um, in a consumerist economy 
is way more eco-friendly and also just makes way more fucking sense, right? So in this way, resource sharing is anti-capitalist as well as both a climate mitigation and climate resiliency measure and therefore cool as fuck. So I want to share some resource sharing networks that already exist here in Southwest Washington. So one of the most exciting and effective resource sharing tools that a neighbor just turned me on to is the Buy Nothing Project. So the mission of Buy Nothing is to give, receive, lend, share, and show gratitude in hyper-local gift economies. There's no selling, trading, or bartering, and you can ask for things too. Buy Nothing utilizes what is otherwise the hell side of Facebook for its actually pretty useful group feature to facilitate the project. We'll share a link in the show notes for locating your own neighborhood Buy Nothing group. Also, Urban Abundance is a nonprofit that's all about food sovereignty and who many might know for collaborating with people to create resiliency gardens in their front yards where anyone can help maintain the garden and harvest from it. They also facilitate gleaning opportunities in the summers for picking fruit from trees around town. And then the Vancouver Free Fridge Project is a mutual aid group that aims to combat food waste and food insecurity, as well as facilitate safe community sharing of food with a network of community fridge and pantries that are open to all who need food, are accessible anonymously, they're open 24-7. The motto is take what you need, leave what you can, and to share with one another in solidarity, not charity. And then some more thoughts I have here. So what can this podcast do to usher these alternative networks into being? while we're also doing the necessary work of reacting to our political predicaments. Everything is fine in Southwest Washington has always sought to turn the mic on the community. So please, please reach out to tell us what needs attention or what cool community efforts are going on in the spirit of resource sharing, collective agency, as well as the usual local issues in politics. So going back to what Mexi said about proaction, though, I would also argue that joy can be had in the reaction and that we absolutely need to focus our energy on holding the line together against the encroaching corporate interests that are hell-bent on carving up every last inch of Clark County, of Southwest Washington, in service to the ownership class, not the people. It's going to be so much more difficult to live differently, to build resiliency and bring down climate pollution if most of the land around here gets developed before we have the chance to turn things around. So I, and I think Mexi too, is making a yes and argument with reaction versus proaction. So another thought, how can we resource share or crowdsource our political activity and share information while reducing barriers to engagement? One idea that I started with a friend, um, although it's been quiet there for a while, one existing resource is the People's Clark County Discord server, which is there to share local public meeting summaries, information, and facilitate community conversation about what local government is doing among like-minded individuals. I and others have also suggested putting together a climate realists group, is what we're calling it right now, uh, where we can meet in person, discuss fresh, more radical, and potentially confrontational ideas outside of conventional means, and build up an outside game strategy to battling off corporate interests and centering the people's interests in local government. This group could be many things too, right? It could just be a group of like-minded individuals commiserating and meeting each other, connecting, and I, I just think that naturally something could, could be grown out of that. What we need right now is community, and we need this movement to be larger than just the handful of overworked <laughs> activists and more than just, you know, the ones who have been around for a long time. So yeah, I am personally game for and am already involved in many of these efforts. Uh, please just message the Facebook or the Instagram 
with your ideas of anything you've heard here, anything you want to get involved with. We're going to have an extensive um, link list this time of these things I've already mentioned that are already going on in the community. And yeah, if you want to join that climate realist group, let's start putting that together. Let's 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 make some stuff happen here. Like I already alluded to, and what needs to be emphasized here is that the existing movement energy locally is sorely lacking. What movement is happening is very conventional and efforts are highly dispersed. We desperately need to strengthen our networks, streamline efforts, get highly organized, and bring new people in. There are many roles to be played, but there are not nearly enough players. Obviously, a caveat we do know very well here at Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington that life ain't easy under capitalism and we are all being stretched. But at the same time, it is imperative that we be very honest with ourselves about what we can do with the time, the resources, the skills that we do have. So please, for the sake of everything, use the information from the series to orient yourself in the role you need to play in this very real battle against the apocalypse. Because it's coming whether we like it or not. Whether it's truly the end of the world or the end of an era and the lifting of the veil. As Bayard Rustin said, we are all one, and if we don't know it, we'll learn it the hard way.